Well, good evening, folks, and welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. Um, thanks for making the effort to come out and join us tonight. Uh, it's a, a night where we call these praise nights, um, where there's a bit more music than, than perhaps we would normally have of an evening. And we're going to spend a good deal of our time this evening singing songs which maybe some of us haven't sung in a while, um, songs that might take us back a decade or two or more. Um, Songs that are timeless, though, that tell us of the wonder of who God is and what He has done for us. Songs that, that tell us of the salvation that God works for His people. Um, and the good, the good thing it is for us to be able to gather together and to, to worship Him in this way. Uh, if, you're, if you're new here, um, a very warm welcome to you. It's great to have you join us. Um, do stick around after the service. There's going to be tea and coffee and a time for a chat. So um, don't, don't rush away if you don't have to. Um, please do stick around and enjoy that time together. Just as Mary is going to come and read our verses for tonight, let me, um, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can, we can come and we can praise you. Lord, naturally speaking, this is not something that we would do. This is not something that we would have done before you came and gave us life. Each and every one of us, naturally speaking, were dead in our sins and without life and without a desire to praise you. But you have brought us to life by the power of your Spirit. When we take hold of Jesus Christ by faith, in your grace you give us new life. And we want to praise you tonight. We want to thank you for the salvation that is ours, that we do not deserve, and it is ours because of Jesus Christ. Father, would you, would you help us to, to love you because you have first loved us? And would you help us to have hearts full of praise this evening as we sing to you? And as we hear from your word, would you, would you feed us again? Would you help us to know more of who you are? and who we are, and how much we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Mary's going to come now and give the reading for tonight. It, the reading is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Amen. Thank you, and do take a seat. And if you have a Bible, flick it open to 
those verses that Mary read for us just a little while ago. We're continuing in Ephesians chapter 6 this evening. We've been looking at this letter for, for some weeks now. Um, I'm just going to speak very briefly on the, the words that, that Mary read for us. But as we come um, to a night like this, I wonder, how would you answer the question, what is worship? What is worship? And where does it happen? And many of us think that what we have just done is worship, and rightly so. But it doesn't end there. And Paul, in this letter to the Ephesians, he talks about what it is to be filled with the Spirit. Christians who have lives that are um, influenced by the working of the Spirit and, and what that looks like. And, and Paul talks earlier on in, in chapter 5 that that does look like singing songs and hymns and, and speaking to each other in spiritual words. But then he goes on to give instructions that are very day-to-day. They're about marriages, and they're about working, and they're about life in the home, about relationships. And worship isn't just confined to an hour on a Sunday, where we, where we show the glory of God, where we serve Him. You know, that's, this happens through all of life, and the verses that we have here in, in chapter 6 show how we can show the glory of Christ, and we can serve Christ in home and at work, the two places where we spend the vast majorities of our lives. If we're not in one, we're probably in the other. And Paul wants us to see that we can worship God. And in fact, as Christians, we ought to worship God in these places. And Paul comes in, in this letter and in other letters, he gives Christians instructions. He, he tells them how they ought to live as Christians. But we need to be careful, and, and Christians need to be careful about how we think about these, these, these laws, really, that, that Paul comes and gives us for how Christians ought to live. You see, these things are not supposed to be a burden. These are not supposed to be duties that we, we need to grit our teeth and get better at doing so that we can become good Christians, so that we can be kind of Christians that God really approves of, so that we can earn our way into God's good books, because actually the law for all time has never been able to achieve that for us. The law has never been able to um, or us, by keeping the law, we have never been able to work our way into God's good books. The law just shows us our inability to keep the law and our need for someone who is perfect, can, who can represent us, someone who has fully fulfilled all of the law, and that person is Jesus Christ. You know, we, we know from the start of Ephesians that very clearly we are unable without Christ to keep any law that would please God. It describes us as dead people, spiritually dead, unable to help ourselves, but we are brought to life by faith in Christ and because of what He has done. It is a, a thing of grace, not a thing of us working ourselves into the favor of God. So when we come to these words, we need to see that they are not meant to be a means for us to work our way into God's good books but they are instructions for us to take seriously, but not a burden. This is a 
gracious and a glorious invitation to see our whole, the whole of our lives transformed by the gospel and the whole of our lives transformed into a display of the gospel for the glory of Christ. This isn't something that we could ever naturally do ourselves. It's a miracle that Paul can instruct Christians to live in this way and, it's a, and we are able to do it. And the reason we are able to do it is because of the work of the Spirit in us. So when we read these words of instruction from Paul, we should read them as a, a gracious and a glorious invitation to live lives that show Christ, show the glory of Christ, lives that by serving Christ we show how truly wonderful He is. The whole of our lives take on deep significance. You know, there is nobody too small to be able to display the glory of God. And there is no one too great that God is not also their master, that they need to point to Him. And, and we see that in the way that this is, this is actually structured. So when we look at um, Paul instructs um, the relationships in the home, we see that he addresses first the weakest, those who have the fewest rights, or at least sometimes that's the case, um, children, to those who have the position of authority and strength. And both of them, at either end of the spectrum, are called to and enabled to live lives that show the glory of Christ. And similarly, when we get to the workplace, Paul starts with those who, who are the weakest and who have the fewest rights, and he goes to those who are in charge. And both of these, and everybody in between, is called to display the glory of Christ in the way that they relate to one another. There is nobody exempt. There is no position that is so high. There is no position that is so low where we are not called as Christians into this glorious thing of being able to live day-to-day -day lives that show Christ. So children is where we'll start. And these are the verses that every parent once preached, right? These are the verses that we, we want our children to hear, and we want them to, um, to follow the rules because it makes our lives easier. Often that's the motivation. We want children to do what we say because, well, that would just make things just a lot simpler. And it also would make us feel better about ourselves because we'd be respected as we ought to be. But here we have instructions that go far beyond that motivation. Um, and Paul, he addresses children in the church, which is an incredible thing. You know, he doesn't see that they are, they are not worth speaking to. He sees the little children in the church as being worthy of his time and attention, and they can, in how they live, bring glory to Christ. So he tells the little children, um, and children of, of all ages, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children are called to a relationship where they are able to show that not only are their parents worthy of their honor and respect, but by extension, they are pointing to what it looks like to be a child of God. You know, in, in these relationships that we talk about, or that Paul talks about in this letter, he shows us that there, there's much more than just meets the eye. There's more that goes on. 
In marriage, we see in the verses that were just previous to these, marriage, this relationship between a husband and wife, is actually a picture of Christ and His church. And I think here in these verses, we see the relationship between children and their parents, something more than just what's on the surface. We see that children, in the way that they are called as Christian children to obey their parents, they can show what it looks like to be a child of God. When children behave in this way, they recognize that their parents, they are trustworthy. What they tell them to do is good and for their good, that they seek to bring them good and to protect them from harm. And so, children are called to honor and to respect father and mother and to obey them. And we who are adult children of God, in the same way, we are to obey God because we know that He He is trustworthy. He is good. What He says is for our good, and He protects us from harm. We see here in the way Paul speaks about this commandment to honor your father and mother, that it's the first commandment with a promise. to, To live lives of obedience to our parents is for our good. And, and when our children are, are really little, we, we see that this is obviously the case. Here Paul says, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Well, when our children are very little and we tell them, don't run into the street, you know, don't play with matches. You know, if they disobey that, it won't go well with them and they probably won't live very long. We want them to obey because we want them to be safe. And God likewise He wants us to be safe, and in the way that children can relate to their parents, in this way, they can show the goodness of what it is to be a child of God. And they show the goodness of the father. Now, fathers are addressed here specifically, but fathers and mothers are to be honored, and then fathers are kind of picked out for special attention special attention because they're told not to provoke their children to anger, not to exasperate them, not to to wind them up and frustrate them. And I need that instruction. I need that instruction. I think fathers are are spoken to directly because we've got um, a tendency to to do these sorts of things to our children. And and we do things that, that, that actually do not reflect what it looks like to be a good father. But to be a good father is to, to bring children up to know God, bring children up, pointing them to God. And this is, this is hard work. This is something that requires intentionality and time. And many of us may not have had that experience as we've grown up. We might not have known in our own earthly fathers this. And that's a great sadness for many people to have missed out on this kind of good father. Whether you have had a father that you can look at and say, yes, he did that for me, or whether in your life you think, I wish I had that kind of father. Both of those responses point us to the good father, the great father, the father who is the father of each and every one of us. He is the one who is good He is for our good. He protects us from all harm. He points us away from ourselves, and He points us to Christ and to 
the relationship that we can have with Him because of Christ. You know, in this most everyday thing, children and parents, there is a deep and a beautiful picture that can be painted in the way that we relate to each other that speaks of something of what it is to be a child of God, trusting and obeying Him. And there's something that points us to what, it, what a wonderful Father, our Father in heaven is. And then we move from the home into the workplace, and we see Paul addressing um, bond servants, is how, is it, how it's um, translated in, in, in my ESV. Um, some versions it will, it will speak of, of slaves, and, and sometimes our minds go to kind of modern day type of slavery, but I think Paul is, is really speaking more into what we would recognize as the workplace. You know, most of us who work, we have to work. <laughs> most of us have to work to put bread on the table. And if you do, don't work currently, you probably have at some point in the past, and all of us rely on that. We are in some ways bonded to work, and we're, we're bonded to our employers. And some of our employers are good employers, and some of our employers are, are less good. Here Paul speaks to employees that um, were not unionized, and they probably had very poor rights, if any at all. And they're in a low position. And I don't know what your, your situation is like, or if you're in paid employment, or even in work that is not paid. Each one of us, we, we put our days in by doing work of various kinds, and some of that work can feel quite thankless and quite menial and quite unimportant. It could be looking after sick relatives who really are thankless. It could be, it could be cleaning up. It could be any number of things. And many of us have jobs that we feel really don't contribute to the, 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 the huge scope of the, the problems of this world. But whatever our jobs, Paul says that we have a hugely important job. And whoever our employers happen to be, we have a wonderful, a wonderful master. Paul speaks to, to employees and he tells them that they are to, to work hard and they're to work well. And they are to work not just when people are looking. The tendency is to work hard when people look and to, to put on a good show when we know we are being observed. When nobody's looking, our work rate, well, it tends to drop, right? If we're honest, most of us work more when we're seen. Well, Paul wants us all to know that we are always seen, that we, we have a master who sees us all the time, and it is actually for him that we are working, whatever we do. Whatever we do, Christ is our boss. We are bond servants of Christ, and as we see, he is a good boss. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't treat us unfairly. He doesn't overlook any work that is done. Any service that is rendered unto Christ, he sees it and he rewards it. We see that in, in verse 8, don't we? He says, verse 7 and 8, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this 
same to them. Oh, sorry, whatever any, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free, whatever your position. God sees your work, the work that you think is, is menial and is difficult, the work that you think is unappreciated and is unimportant. Actually, the way that you work, you can show what it is to serve Christ, what it is as a Christian to have a master who is good and who is gracious, despite the difficulties of perhaps your day-to-day work. And then Paul also speaks to those who would call the shots in the workplace, to those who will uh, have people that they manage, to employers. Paul says, you also have a boss. You also have somebody that you work for. You might think that the buck stops with you, but God is your master. He is the one that, in fact, you serve also. Each one in a workplace, each Christian in a workplace, works to serve and to show the glory of Christ. So, there is no one who is too small. No one's work is too small. No one's status or position is too small to show the glory of Christ in your day-to-day life. This instruction elevates what we think of as sometimes mundane and difficult things into a picture of the glory of Christ. And however important you might think you are, remember, you have a master who is your master. However much authority you may have even in your home, remember that God is the one who gives you all authority. He is the one who is the father of all. He is the master of all. And we are invited into that. We are invited into showing that God is the good father and he is the good master. This isn't a burden to to load onto our backs. This is an invitation that we can, in our day-to-day lives, paint pictures of how good God is.